Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch London. For more information and resources, please go to ChristchurchLondon.org. I'd rather hear that. <laughs> Particularly after the notice. Do you have questions you will do by the end of the notice? <laughs> no, well done, Nengi. Great. Um, oh, it's good to be with you. Um, it really is. And uh, particularly this week, uh, many of you uh, will have been joining with us in praying this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, uh, Thy Kingdom Come, a very simple but powerful little prayer. We have been partaking in this initiative that the Archbishop um, began uh, called Thy Kingdom Come, where thousands of believers across this world have been joining together to pray for their uh, localities, for their nations, and for our whole world. Uh, we had a prayer meeting on Wednesday. I know many people were there. I know others have been praying in their, uh, just privately or in their own area through 24-7 prayer rooms. It's been great to join together praying this prayer. But today, given that it's Pentecost Sunday and the culmination of this week, I want to ask a question that maybe we should have asked before we got into the week, but there we go, which is this. What would it look like for God to answer that prayer? Thy kingdom come. (laughs) It's not a typo. Um, A small number of us in this room know exactly what that means. I couldn't resist. But let's get into the Bible. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, starting at verse 1. In the south, they all were like, huh? Huh?" So you are a Twitter-using crowd. I've ascertained that at least. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. A little bit of background to this passage. At this point in the story, Israel is being ruled over by the Romans, and they are longing for freedom and liberation. They are longing for what they called the kingdom of God, and they were expecting that God would send them a king, a Messiah, who would come and bring about this kingdom. Many of them thought that it would come by them overturning the Roman oppressors and establishing a literal physical rule of God in Israel. And the prophets had written about what this kingdom would be like and what this king, this Messiah, would be like. And there were various passages you could look at that would describe him. One in particular comes to mind from this passage. It's in Isaiah 61, where it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And people were longing for a king, a Messiah, who would come and do that very thing. Now, before Jesus arrived on the scene, John the Baptist started proclaiming to people, that king is coming. In fact, Matthew chapter 3, he says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And John saw himself as playing a role that Isaiah talked about, um, of someone, a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the paths for him. So John the Baptist is preparing people, saying, come on, this king is coming. The kingdom is near. And then Jesus arrives and starts to actually fulfill many of people's expectations and dreams of longings of what this kingdom, this king might be like. He is healing people. Signs of the kingdom are everywhere. It seems like Isaiah 61 is coming to life before their very eyes. Yet at the same time, Many of the things people expected when they thought of the king and the kingdom were not happening. 
You see, people expected that maybe this king would come with force. He would overturn the Romans. He would establish his own kingdom. He would take the throne. He would liberate them and literally, physically uh, bring in a kingdom of God. And Jesus didn't seem that concerned about that. He didn't seem concerned about raising and training up an army or kind of getting together resources for a big rebellion. He didn't seem overly concerned with having his own throne in Jerusalem. Rather, he seemed to hang out with the lowly, the outcasts, the people no one else was hanging out with. He seemed to think the kingdom might come through small, insignificant means. He spoke about leadership as being something to do with servanthood rather than domination. In fact, he even spoke about his forthcoming death, which is a peculiar thing to do if you are wanting to get people to follow you in some kind of rebellion. So people understandably had these questions. On the one hand, it felt like he was the king they'd be looking for. On the other hand, it just didn't feel like he was at all. And so they started to ask, what is going on? In fact, even John the Baptist, who said, the king is coming, the kingdom is near, starts to think, maybe this Maybe we've got this wrong. Maybe this isn't the guy. And so he sends his disciples to Jesus saying, are you the one? And Jesus says, open your eyes, open your ears. What do you see and what do you hear around you? The kingdom is here. You can experience it breaking in right now. Remember Isaiah 61, that passage you love about the, 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 the deaf having their hearing restored and the blind having their sight restored, the dead being raised. Look, you can see it happening right now. What do you think? The kingdom is here. Jesus says signs of the kingdom are all around pointing to the fact that God is breaking in. He is in charge. So when we ask the question, what does it look like for God's kingdom to come? I think it looks something like that. I think that when we think and talk and pray about the kingdom coming, we don't just expect some vague, abstract sort of idea. We expect something you can see and hear and touch and taste and experience. Something that makes you know God is here. He is active. He is powerful and present in this world. I think in part, when we pray, thy kingdom come, if God were to answer that prayer, it would look something like this passage in Matthew 11. Many people experiencing the king and the kingdom firsthand. I loved, love London Sunday, which is a hard sentence to say. <laughs> I loved, love London Sunday. It was great. It was a fantastic day a few weeks ago. If you weren't here, uh, basically, we all gathered together in, in this place from across uh, our different services in London, and we celebrated signs of the kingdom in essence, we celebrated spiritual renewal and many of the things God is doing here. We heard stories of people praying on the streets in their neighborhood. We heard stories of people blessing their communities. We got to baptize 16 people on this stage who told the stories like we heard already today of how Jesus has changed people's lives. It was powerful. It was beautiful. In the afternoon, we got to sing and dance and, and watch David dance, which was beautiful. <laughs> we got to enjoy, that's a sign of the kingdom, we got to enjoy celebrating God's presence and hearing stories of people's lives changed again through healing. It was a brilliant day full of signs of the kingdom. I came away from that thinking, wow, the kingdom of God really is here. That's what it looks like. But I long for it to be like that every week. I mean, maybe not quite as exhausting as that day, but I long for this church to be filled every week on Sundays and through the week with signs of the kingdom. I love for people to be able to come in through this door and say, I don't know if God's real, but then just see and hear and taste and experience something that makes them think, even though I don't have this God thing sorted up here, I felt something that makes me realize there's someone in charge, at least. Maybe it is this king. I remember a few years ago, uh, I knew a couple who were coming to this church. The lady was not a Christian, the guy was, and they were going out, uh, sorry, other way around. The lady was a Christian, the guy wasn't a Christian, and they were going out and trying to work out 
you know, where they thought faith was, uh, faith was going and uh, what they thought about this. And um, I used to chat with the guy quite a lot, answering lots of his difficult questions, or trying to answer lots of his difficult questions. I remember on one particular Sunday, the lady had come in on crutches, and she'd obviously injured her leg somehow, and uh, they were sitting at the back. And at the end of the service, she came all the way down the stairs, which didn't mean to pray with the prayer team. They could have gone to her, but there you go. They came all the way down the stairs to receive prayer from the prayer team. And I saw her boyfriend up there, and I thought, oh, I wonder what he's making of this. So I went up to talk to him and to sort of just see if he had any questions. And as we're chatting away, just perfectly nice, suddenly he just goes, I was like, whoa, I've offended him. I've done something. What do they, they say? And then I realized he was looking over my shoulder. So I turned around and I saw his girlfriend walking up with the crutches under her arm. Completely matter of fact, she just took his hand and said, let's go for lunch. And off they went. Like the guy completely speechless and me pretty speechless as well. <laughs> now, to be clear, the guy didn't become a Christian on the spot. We talked for months and months and months and months, and we wrestled with many of his big questions to get him along that journey before actually he did become a Christian and got baptized here a few years ago. It was a beautiful day. But I tell you, that moment sped up that journey incredibly. Because here was this guy thinking, I don't even know if God is real, but then he experiences something of the kingdom that makes him think, well, something's going on here. Maybe there is a king. Maybe there is a kingdom. To be clear, Christianity is intellectual. It is rational. It needs us to engage our minds, but not just our minds. It's not just an intellectual thing. It has effects. We should be able to feel it as well as think about it. Jesus said, look, see, hear, signs of the kingdom. He didn't say, let me give you a three-point answer. He's like, look, that's a sign. There's a sign. There's a sign. You go back to John. Tell him what you think. If you were here on Love London Sunday on the afternoon, we told a story. I'm going to repeat it. I make no apology. It's a great story. There's a guy in our East service called Alan Rowe who wrote uh, this email to us. He said, my mom was visiting Christchurch London's East service and she loved it. Uh, That's it. That's the miracle. (laughs) That's... uh... (laughs) I won't be saying that at the East service, I tell you. (laughs) She had chronic neck, back, and chest pain for five years and has been to every kind of medical person you can think of, and they've all sent her away with no explanation. In the service, Andy Tilsley said, the prayer team wondered if there's someone here with neck pain who God may want to heal. And at that moment, she felt an overwhelming lightness and a kind of peace all over her upper body. She said she felt it was like she was being lifted up, and in that moment, God met with her. She felt like she didn't even need to go up for prayer because God had already done work in her. For five years, she rarely slept through the night, but that night she slept through the whole night and the pain was no longer there the next day. That's a sign of the kingdom. That's a sign that the king is here and he's living and he's active and he's powerful. He signs off his email, so like, wow, tons of exclamation marks. God is so, so, so amazing, tons of exclamation marks. And then some emojis like that, which I think is... (laughs) Is that good? Is that good? I, I think that's a good thing, right? This is a sign of the kingdom. You know, my favorite thing about this story, not the emojis, my favorite thing about this story, the prayer team had been praying that day. They felt that maybe God wanted to heal someone like that. But they also said, you know, we don't always get to hear the end of the story. Sometimes we pray for people and we don't hear what happens. So they prayed, Lord, would you give us a story today? Would we hear someone come back and say, I was healed, so it could do their faith good? That was a doubly answered prayer. I want all my prayers to be doubly answered. That's a sign of the kingdom. Here's another story we heard just this week from a lady called Emmanuel in our East service. Some of you will know her. She said in September, she was on a weekend away with her connect group, and uh, she had a bite on her toe. Um, I think it's 
implied that it was from an insect, but she didn't say that. It, I mean, she's got some peculiar members of her connect group, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> let's, let's imagine it was an insect for a moment. Um, and she was bitten on the toe, and it got infected, and it caused her enormous amounts of pain. And she said that between September and November, she had to go to A&E several times. Uh, she had trouble walking. She had a severe reaction to the medication she was given. At Christmas, it is still not healed, and the infection had led to a severe case of hives breaking out all over her body. She said it ebbed and flowed a little, but by April, she was still getting shooting pains from her toe all the way up her leg, which made her fearful and unable to sleep. She said one weekend she realized it was particularly bad and she needed to do something about it. She hated doctors. She hated going to the A&E, she said. But she was like, I've got to do something. So unnecessary detail, but it made me laugh. She said in the email, I packed my bag with sweets and snacks and a book and off I went to church thinking I'll go off to the hospital afterwards. So here she goes. She comes to church. She's sitting there on the Sunday and she says, um, that Sunday Lars was preaching on Jesus healing the man at Bethesda. She said that during the talk, um, the pain became really severe as Lars was talking, which we've all experienced. And she said, <laughs> after the service, <laughs> he's not here. <laughs> after the service, she received prayer. She knew she needed to do something about it. She went forward and she received prayer. She said, as they prayed, the pain left. The pain left. The swelling subsided. The coloring of her toe actually changed. She says that from then on, the skin began to heal really quickly, and she was able to stop using the medication she'd been given. She said for the first time in ages, she was able to wear normal shoes to work. She said in the email that she'd only had one pair that had fit her swollen feet up to that point, and they were really ugly. <laughs> so she was like, that's a sign of the kingdom. I can wear normal shoes again. Like She was really happy that God had transformed something that had been going on for so many months. She says, I'm incredibly overwhelmed and encouraged that if God can heal me in such a small thing like an injured toe, he can heal me from the many other things that rob me of living fully. That's a sign of the kingdom. Signs of the kingdom are everywhere. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, these are exactly the sorts of things we should be looking for. These are the exact sort of things we should be expecting when God breaks in. But... That is only half of the passage. And if I were just to kind of, I could gloss over the difficult bits, but that wouldn't do us a service. Because actually there is a tension in the kingdom. There's a tension in this passage. Because it's not always signs. It's not always joy and victory and wonderful celebrations. Sometimes we find ourselves identifying with the other character in this passage, John the Baptist. To give you a little bit of background, when Jesus was born, the king at the time was Herod the Great. He died around 4 AD, and his kingdom was divided into four parts and given to three of his sons uh, and, and one other guy as well. And uh, one of those was Herod Antipas. Now, Herod had a brother uh, called Philip I who married his niece, Herodias, uh, which is a slightly unusual thing to do, um, and caused tension within the family. In fact, there was warring within the family, and many of them lost their lives over it. Many people were executed over this relationship. Now, in time, uh, Philip and Herodias actually got divorced, but Herodias clearly had a thing for marrying uncles because she then went and married Herod Antipas. So if you think your family is weird, you've got nothing on these guys, I hope. <laughs> So this was a, a bad situation. It's not a pleasant situation. And John the Baptist actually spoke out against this, about this. In Luke chapter 3, you can read what happens. But it says, when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch, that is Herod Antipas, uh, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the evil things he'd done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. And not just any prison. 
Not just a tiny little cell. He was imprisoned in a ferocious prison called Machaerus. It was a famous fortified palace that Herod the Great had rebuilt. It was, one, it was on a hill 1.1 kilometers above sea level. The palace was fortified with a fortress wall 100 meters long and 600 meters wide. And there's a tension, I think, in this passage. Because this is where John is while the signs of the kingdom are going on. He is sitting here thinking, I said to everyone, the kingdom is coming. The king is here. It doesn't feel very much like that now. So here he is, isolated, behind bars, thinking, is this kingdom dream just gone? Have I got it wrong? And he sends his disciples, understandably, to Jesus to say, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? It strikes me that John the Baptist's experience is not dissimilar from what many of us experience in the church, in our world. As we look around, we see a world full of division and pain and hatred and hurt and hatred and death and suffering. We only need to cast our mind back a couple of hours and a few hundred yards up the road to know that this world is not as God wants it to be. It can feel like we're experiencing captivity at times, or maybe sometimes we do see answers to prayer. I mean, there are stories here. I've just shared just a few of them, signs of the kingdom in this church. But sometimes you might think, I feel a bit like John the Baptist. Yes, signs may be happening over there. But here, for me, I just I feel isolated from it. I feel imprisoned. There is a tension. We don't always get to see as many answered prayers as we would like. We pray, thy kingdom come. And sometimes it seems to, and sometimes it doesn't, at least as much as we would like to. What do we make of this? Well, we need to understand something about the nature of the kingdom. And the first thing is that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. When Jesus spoke about the kingdom and he taught about it, it was the focus of his sermons and his stories and all the signs were, were due to, like, to point people to the fact the kingdom is here, the kingdom is now. When the disciples come to him and say, are you the king? Is this really what we're meant to be believing? Jesus doesn't say, oh yeah, in a few thousand years you might experience something. He's like, open your eyes right now. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. The very next chapter of Matthew, Jesus heals a blind and mute man, freeing him from evil powers. And when people ask where he got the power, he says, if it's by the Spirit of God that I do these things, the kingdom of God has come upon you. In Luke chapter 17, the Jewish leaders question Jesus about the kingdom because it didn't look like what they were expecting. They say, we're expecting signs, like we're expecting you to overthrow Rome. Where is that? And Jesus says, the kingdom isn't coming with the sort of signs you're looking for. Behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Why? Because the king is here. The kingdom is now. We should be able to experience it. But at other times, the New Testament actually speaks about the kingdom as if it is yet to come. It is also not yet. One day it will come in full in a way that it's not here right now. One day many of the things we struggle with, sickness, suffering, pain, death, evil, injustice, will be removed entirely from this earth when Jesus comes back and makes it new. But that is not now. Right now, we are longing for that day. In Revelation, it talks about that day, and it says, on that day it will be declared, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. But we're not there yet. Here in Matthew 11, later on in the passage, it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. There's a battle for the kingdom. God is doing incredible things. He is moving. He's breaking through, but... The kingdom suffers violence every time a John the Baptist is imprisoned. 
Every time injustice seems to run rife, every time people act out of hatred as we've seen in our city so recently, every time people die or sickness seems to triumph, every setback reminds us we're not yet in the new creation. The kingdom is not yet. In fact, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus tells this story, this parable, a famous one, the parable of the talents, and he explicitly tells it to tell people the kingdom is not yet. He says this, he was getting near to Jerusalem and the people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Jesus is getting towards Jerusalem and the people think this is it, the kingdom is about to happen. And Jesus tells this story to correct them on two counts. One, I think you're thinking the wrong thing about the kingdom. They were expecting Jesus to maybe start a revolution, overthrow the Romans. That's not what he was doing. But two, people were expecting it to happen now, fully. And Jesus is like, no, that's not how it's going to work either. He tells this story of a king going away to a distant country leaving people behind with particular talents, things, gifts that they can then use for good until the day the king comes back and establishes his rule. This is where we find ourselves. The king is no longer here. He has gone, but he is coming back. And in the meantime, we have gifts from God to use in anticipation of the day that he will come back and make this world new. The kingdom is now and not yet. If I can put it in a diagram, because I love diagrams and I know how much you do as well. <laughs> it looks something like this. We live in this world full of brokenness, pain, death, sickness, suffering. And we await the day when Jesus will return and make all things new forever. The kingdom will come in full. But we are not yet there. But, next slide. Since Jesus' first coming, his incarnation, his death and resurrection, something of that new world has broken into this world such that the kingdom has come, though it's not yet fully come. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're asking for the left side of the, my left of the diagram to come into the right, for God's world to break into ours. We are asking for Jesus to bring more of a taste of the kingdom now. The kingdom is now and not yet. And sometimes our personal experience will cause us to lean one way more than the other. Sometimes it will feel like the kingdom is more now. Sometimes it will feel like it's more not yet, depending on what's going on in our lives. But we need to believe both are true. Even within this room, there will be people who feel on different parts of this spectrum, as it were. There will be people who feel like Jesus and the disciples, like signs of the kingdom are everywhere. Why doesn't everyone believe? It just seems so evident to you. There will be others who think, I feel way more like John right now. I've believed this. I've preached this. I've longed for this. I've prayed for this. I'm not getting it right now. Right now, it feels like the kingdom is way more not yet than now. There will be people here feeling both those things. The answer is the same. Come to God. Pray. Your kingdom come. Bring more of that not yet into the now. We need to hold both those things together. If we overemphasize the now, we set ourselves up for disappointment. But if we overemphasize the not yet, we have no expectations that God will ever do anything. And we will miss out on a whole load of incredible things he wants to do in us and through us. The kingdom is now and not yet. And precisely at the moment when the kingdom feels most not yet, if I can put it like that, that's the moment the prayer is most powerful. Lord, thy kingdom come. If you feel like John today, can I challenge you, invite you, pray that prayer. It may be for the thousandth time. You may not feel like the kingdom is anywhere close to you, but pray, thy kingdom come. Lord, I don't feel it right now. John does exactly the right thing in this passage. He brings his doubts before Jesus. 
I know when I've gone through difficult times, times of sickness or uncertainty, or I've been questioning things about faith or circumstances or just don't work out as I'd hoped, I can often feel like the last thing I want to do is pray. I often feel like I don't want to bring my problems to God because in some way he feels like the cause of the problems, you know? Maybe you feel that. But John doesn't just isolate himself and say, well, I'm not going anywhere near Jesus. I cut him off like there's, there's, there's nothing to be found there. No, he brings his doubts before Jesus. He says, are you the one? He doesn't know. And Jesus gives him an answer. If you are feeling like John now, can I encourage you, bring your questions, your needs, your longings to God. There is loads I wish I could say about this. I'm happy to talk at the end if it would help you. Just one little thing you may find helpful, and I give it to you not because I'm like, the answers are all in this book, but because I know it helped me. Actually, a brilliant book by Pete Gregg, God on Mute. It's just a spectacular book. I've, I've recommended this to so many people. In fact, I've bought and lent so many copies to people and they don't give them back. You don't give them back. <laughs> and I take it that the reason you don't give it back is because it's too helpful and you want to keep it. So <laughs> take that as a recommendation. It's a brilliant book for how to pray with faith when it feels like God isn't listening or answering your prayers. Do check that out. And actually, newsflash, Pete Gregg is coming in December to speak here again. So um, uh, you can look forward to that. And if you will let us, we would love to pray for you again at the end of this service. Do come forward, whether for the first or the thousandth time, we'd love to pray with you. When we pray thy kingdom come, we ask for the not yet to break into the now. We look for signs of the kingdom. But finally, I think we are to live as if we are actually agents of the kingdom. We don't simply pray for God to do something apart from us. We actually ask that he may do it through us as well. Remember that story, the parable of the talents. Jesus says the king goes away, but he leaves you with gifts. Use those gifts. Put them to good until the day the king comes back. That's where we find ourselves. We are agents of the kingdom. When we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, we are asking God to bring his world into our world. But it's not only a future-looking prayer asking for God to do something. It's a commitment to saying, God, would you use us as well? Use us as agents of your kingdom. Prayer is effective. The theologian Karl Barth said this, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of this world. I love that quote. I look around the world full of disorder. I think, what can I do about that? That's what I can do about that. Clasping hands together in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder and chaos of this world. Actually, when we pray your kingdom come and we see little things happening, it doesn't often feel like an uprising. That's because the kingdom starts small. It doesn't come through violent means. It doesn't come through overturning and toppling powers. It starts small. It starts with the ones and twos, with the individuals, with the heeled toes. <laughs> but it doesn't stop there. It grows. The kingdom begins small, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and it starts with clasped hands. Let me try and illustrate this with a video. It's pretty self-explanatory. I don't need to introduce it except to say the guy's face is hilarious. But enjoy that, uh, but try and get the point as well. 29 dominoes. First one, five millimeters tall, one millimeter thick. The final one, the size of the Empire State Building. That's the kingdom. Yeah. Something tiny, yeah. minuscule. Yeah. You wouldn't think there's any power in that. It starts a chain reaction, an uprising against the disorder of this world. Jesus said this. He tells the parable. Uh, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, <laughs> like, like that. 
which a man took and planted in its field, though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its, in its branches. No one looks at a mustard seed and goes, wow, that's going to house a heck of a lot of birds. Like, you don't think like that. It's tiny. It's insignificant. You put it in the ground, it grows. The birds flock to it. Actually, this is powerful political language Jesus is using here. The prophets, they use the ideas of trees and birds to represent uh, mighty nations. I mean, read Ezekiel 31, Daniel 4. It's Assyria, Babylon, Egypt. They are the tall, mighty trees. The nations are represented by the birds flocking for refuge. Jesus says the kingdom is like that. You never look at it and think that could refuge any birds. Yet when it gets put in the the ground, it grows, it becomes a tree, and all the nations find their rest in its branches. This is the kingdom of God. And when we pray, your kingdom come, we are asking God, take me, tiny one millimeter wide domino of a person, and use me. Use me as an agent for your kingdom. Use me to topple other enemy kingdoms. Use me to bring something of your power in this world. I long for more and more of those stories, like we shared earlier. I long for more of them. Every week, I long for people to be able to walk in and go, wow, sign of the kingdom over there, another over there, another over there. You know how we get them? Clasped hands in prayer. That's the first step. Coming to God and saying, would you use us as agents of your kingdom? You may have situations in your life right now where you think, I need something of that future to break in. I need something of the kingdom to break into my life right now. Why don't you, this morning, pray, God, thy kingdom come in my life, in my body, as in heaven. It may be sickness that you're experiencing. Maybe relationship struggles, work struggles, various things that are weighing on your mind, doubts, concerns, relationship issues. Bring them to God. Ask, your kingdom come in my life as in heaven. See what he does. But don't just stop there. Then ask, how can I bring your kingdom in my world? How can I be an agent of the kingdom? I think the way we're going to experience more of God's activity in this world is by taking bold steps of praying for those who don't yet know Jesus. If you have friends or family who are going through stress and struggles and sickness, why not say to them, do you mind if I pray that the king might break in, do something? heal you this week. If you're here today and you're exploring faith, we would love to pray with you, help you to experience something of God if you would like that. God uses us as agents of the kingdom. As we heard earlier, today is Pentecost Sunday, where we celebrate the birth of the church. 50 days after Easter Sunday, the Holy Spirit filled the first believers and empowered them to continue the works of Jesus, sending them out as agents of the kingdom, little dominoes toppling other kingdoms. And Pentecost is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's a promise for us today. Remember Isaiah 61, where it described all the incredible things the Messiah would do? Before it talks about any of them, the healings, the miracles, what does it say? The very first thing, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That same Spirit is available for us today if we simply ask to pray, thy kingdom come, is a way of saying, God, would you come in my life? Would your power change me and then through me change my world? Let's ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us today. We'll have an opportunity to pray in just a moment before we close. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. The kingdom is not yet. The kingdom starts small like a mustard seed, like a five-millimeter domino, and it starts a chain reaction that works against the the disorder of this world. And however you are feeling today, I want to invite you in just a moment to pray this prayer, Thy kingdom come. 
And before we do, I just want to show you one final video clip, which illustrates something of my hope and prayer for us as a church, and actually what I think it means and looks like to live as an agent of the kingdom. It's a clip from the film The Shawshank Redemption. I'm sure many of you have seen it. If you haven't, I won't ruin the end for you, but you have had 24 years, so it's on you. Um, In the clip, you see Andy, who is played by Tim Robbins. He is in prison in Portland, Maine. He is serving a life sentence for murder, and Andy begins working in the prison library. And one day they receive this donation, which includes a recording of Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro. This is what happens. my dream for this church that is my dream for us as agents of the kingdom hundreds of people just in the monotony of the prison life stop and look to the heavens to see where this noise this sound is coming from the sick get out of their hospital beds the warden is banging on the door and yet they can't stop the sound the revolution has begun that's the kingdom What is it Morgan Freeman says? He says, I don't know what those ladies were singing about. Truth is, I don't want to know. I like to think they were singing about something so beautiful it can't be expressed in words. The voices soared higher and farther than anybody in a grey place dares to dream. It was as if some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made the walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments, every last man in Shawshank felt free. That's the kingdom. That's the not yet breaking into the now. In a way that transforms people's lives. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to be part of. It begins by us asking, God, would thy kingdom come in me? Would you fill me with your spirit? And then would you use me as an agent of your kingdom? Until that day you come back and make it full, would I bring a taste of it wherever I go? That's the dream. Would you stand with me? I'd love to pray for us, and then we're going to sing the Lord's Prayer as a way of responding and saying, Thy kingdom come in me and through me. But before I'd love to pray, in fact, you may just want to close your eyes to help you engage with God. You may want to hold out your hands. You may want to lift your arms or kneel or whatever will help you to feel like you're opening yourself to God. And I want to pray that the kingdom would come right now. Maybe there are ideas or things in your mind where you just think, I know I need the kingdom there. Maybe you are suffering from a sickness or pain or illness today. If you feel comfortable, why don't you put your hand on the place that needs healing? And as I pray, we'll see what God does. It may be that you actually feel like, I need something of that Pentecost power. I'm going to ask that God will fill you with his Holy Spirit and use us all as agents of the kingdom. Lord Jesus, would your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives, in our city, in our church, in our nation, in our world, on earth as in heaven. I pray right now for those who are sick or in pain, I pray your kingdom would come right now. I pray for healing in sick bodies right across this room. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray that we would be a church full of signs of the kingdom, that many would come, not even sure if you exist, and experience something of your presence here. Would the sick be healed? Would the hopeless receive hope? Would even the dead be raised by your power in us? 
My prayer is that you would fill us right now by your Holy Spirit, as you did on that day of Pentecost. Fill us with courage, with power from on high. Would you make us, Jesus, like that sweet sound of music, bringing life and freedom to our neighborhoods, our families, our workplaces, and everywhere where people feel imprisoned. May we bring a taste, a sound of your kingdom. Use us for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information or for further podcasts and downloads, please visit christchurchlondon.org.